you are listening to Herbs' Video Vault on Anchor.fm. Welcome into the video vault. Please take a seat, take your shoes off, make yourself comfortable. Today we are going to be taking a look at the 1978 classic Jaws 2, written by Howard Sackler and Carl Gottlieb, and directed by Janos Warek. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Once again, the island of Amity is under attack by a vicious, ferocious, giant great white shark, and it is up to Chief Brody once more to protect the townspeople from certain danger. Now, uh, this movie has a lot to live up to, obviously, being the direct sequel to the huge, huge commercial smash that was Jaws. This movie, yeah, it's you know it's well written. You know, it's got a great score. There's pl- good, plenty of action, plenty of pacing. The only thing that lets it down is that some of the characters, especially the kids, are very unforgettable. They're very two-dimensional, and you don't really care if they end up becoming shark fodder because there is basically next to no uh, character development whatsoever. They're just whingy, whiny brats, and you don't really care for them. So anyway, grab your soda, grab your popcorn, put your feet up and relax as we go into Jaws 2. We're back in the water again. So today, Jaws 2, directed by Jono Swarek. I hope that's right. I've been saying that aloud for the last, I don't know. Five minutes or <laughs> so. I'm hoping that's right. Thankfully, like, there's nobody else here in the house apart from the dog, and they just, you know, not gonna think, what's it going on about? Uh, co written by Howard Gutlieb and Howard Sackler. Actually, Howard Sackler is an uncredited uh, writer on the original Jaws movie. So, um, there are some faults in this movie, of course, which we are going to get to. I mean, let's face it, this Jaws 2 has a lot to live up to. The original Jaws was a humongous success worldwide. It was the first summer blockbuster. And so, you know, the standard's already pretty high that it's got to sort of overcome to try to be better. So, like, you know, try to be Godfather Part 2 or Aliens caliber, really. You know, Aliens been coming out for another 10 years, but that's not even not there. But we'll get to this. Um, so, again, some wonderful underwater cinematography, some nice... Um, integration that's the word I was looking for last time Um, of the live shark footage from Ron and Valerie Taylor so once again Amity Island is under attack by a giant killer great white shark our opening scene is it's well shot we've got these two divers that are diving around the wreckage of the orca 
you know, we've got an underwater camera, they're taking photos. This is going to become a little bit of a MacGuffin. There's actually two MacGuffins in this movie. I keep hearing people are probably, I can hear people are already saying, what's, what is he, what do you mean a MacGuffin? It's a plot device. It's a plot device, basically. Um, anytime you hear of something being referred to as a MacGuffin or a magic MacGuffin, it's just a plot device. That's all it is. And, of course, we get a shark attack. Boom, 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 boom. And, as usual, like, everything's chaotic. It's sort of cut around really... Really, really chaotically. But, I guess, you know, a shark attack is not going to be very streamlined and right down the line there's going to be bits here and there and everywhere and everywhere and we're going to get to a little bit of a query that i actually have a little bit later on with some of these other attacks that take place so we see chief brody driving along pulling up to a getting on the ferry to go to this grand opening of what is it, the Amity Shores condominium? We've got the high school band playing downtown and a bunch of other music. We have, you know, the whole town's like this wonderful, you know, new hotel resort is having its grand opening. Yeah, Martin arrives late. He sits down next to Alan and she's just sort of said, you know, if you want to look like you've been here the whole time, just look like you're bored. So. That must be pretty easy. Roy Scheider, of course, is back as Martin Brody. There's only three from the original Jaws movie that return. They are Roy Scheider, Lorraine Gary, and Murray Hamilton, who replies their roles, of course, of Martin Brody, Alan Brody, and Mayor Larry Vaughan. And we get introduced to the the new the, the new money man, the new power man. Really, who sort of pulls the strings, like, you know, sort of the whole, you know, money talks and everything else doesn't doesn't matter. His name's Lane. He's a, he comes across, like, you know, obnoxious, which is what his character is for pretty much yeah, the whole movie. There's not... Some of these characters, they don't have much of a character arc, which sort of kind of boggles my mind a little bit, like... It's, it's the power of money, I guess. It's sort of you know, compelled by greed. So we have the grand opening. And we... I've got to admit, I've only just watched this movie and already I've forgotten like two-thirds of it because this movie is very... It's Don't get me wrong, it's a good movie. It's just very forgettable. It is. It is just very, very forgettable. Um, where am I? So the diver's boat uh, gets discovered. Deputy Hendrix and the old, you know, salt of the sea guy, old sailor, they go out, check it out. This is where we get introduced to the, the kids in the movie, like the teenagers. And a lot of them are... Very, very boring, very unlikable, um, very forgetful, you don't really care for them, 
I know it's a horrible thing to say, but a lot of these characters in this movie are very two-dimensional. So the diver's camera, it gets discovered. And like, not much goes, happens with it just yet. Until we see a whale that's been washed up on a beach near the lighthouse. Now there's a bit of concern going around. It's like, oh, you know, what's caused this? And Brody's already sort of a little bit skeptical. And he's like, got some feelings about what's going on, but doesn't, isn't quite 100% sure. He's already convinced that there's something, there's a shark or something around because, you know, killer whales don't just wash up on a beach and I've missed over, I've skipped over a bit. I've skipped over a part. Let's rewind. But So we got some kids on the beach. God. I'm going to leave that in. I'm leaving that in. I'm not editing that out. Yeah, kids on the beach, they're all sailing. It's a nice little scene, actually. It gets you sort of... Like, maybe there is some depth to these characters here. Like, even though some of them are snot snotty and... Um, yeah, undesirable. Like, there's a little bit of a fun element. They have this, you know... They're all sailing. They have this water balloon fight. It's actually pretty cool. It is a cool sequence. And... You know, we get our first shark attack, our second shark attack. So we've got, you know, two people, one's on their water skiing, one's obviously driving the boat, the other one's behind skiing. Now this shark must be able to move very, 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 very fast because this speedboat, it's not going very slowly, like it's jetting along. Uh, I'm probably going to have someone say in the contents, comments down below it's like oh you know sharks when they uh, they do get a pretty uh, decent burst of speed idiot and yeah okay fine noted so it's a a big burst of speed because this goes this is quite a distance as this shark is traveling normally great whites and i've done research because i'm fascinated with these things they have a short burst speed and they attack from below but um so the skier gets knocked off and is consumed by the shark. The, the driver of the speedboat obviously hears, you know, the thing, you know, hears the skier just come off and think, oh, okay, you know, they've just fallen off. So they go back and it's like, well, you know, here's a half of the ski anyway. Where's the other half? You know, and where's uh, Terry, the character's name? And of course the shark attacks the boat um, in a panic as, you know, your boat's getting destroyed by a giant shark, the driver just grabs a gas can, pours, you know, gas, gasoline, petrol, fuel, whatever you want to call it, all over herself and then shoots at the shark with a flare gun. This whole sequence is actually pretty cool, but kind of at the same time illogical at the same time because... The whole speedboat just explodes. It just, it explodes in like a massive, massive fireball. Again, I'm probably going to have somebody say, oh, well, you know, this because like fuel exploded. That would have, yeah, okay, we'll go with that. 
And like there's this huge commotion. It's like, wow, what's going on? And we get this old woman who's just being interviewed by Martin saying, oh, it's a strange thing, you know, they were just having a wonderful time and then next, you know, boom. So this is sort of where uh, Chief Brody sort of gets an inkling and was like, oh, don't tell me we've got another, don't tell me we have another shark problem. He doesn't say anything to anyone, he sort of thinks, keeps that to himself and is just, he's starting to get skeptical, like, you know, speedboats don't just explode for no reason. So, fast forward, McGasper comes with Yip to the uh, to the lighthouse where they find the killer whale washed up on the beach and it's got, you know, chunks out of it about yay big and whatnot. So they call in an expert, Dr. Elkins, and take the shark's measurements. Now, Brody's already sort of convinced that like, you know, is this, is this, it? this another shark attack? He's already, he's already sort of semi-convinced that it is a shark and there's discussion between Dr. Elkins and Chief Brody about what it could have been and it's like well you know it's either a great white or another killer whale and Brody's learning more about sharks as well especially with great white especially like how they can hone in on like irregular sounds this will come into play later on and he's come up with this notion, it's like, you wouldn't think, you know, if a shark was destroyed, that another shark would come and take its place. To which uh, the doctor, Dr. Alkins replies, and keep this in mind for when I do with Jaws the Revenge. Sharks don't take things personally, Mr. Brody, is the line that Dr. Alkins utters. And why am I saying that about, already about Jaws the Revenge? Because in the poster for Jaws the Revenge, the tagline of it is, this time it is personal. Sharks don't take things personally. Why is it personal? We will get to that. I will be nitpicking the hell out of that. So anyway, Martin's driving along and he sees, driving along the beach and he sees, you know, some driftwood sort of uh, floating in the ocean. And he's like, oh, I'll go out and retrieve it, you know, because it could be a... Um, a bit of a hazard for like if anyone's out swimming or yeah whatever and so he wanders out grabs it it's actually a piece of the boat and as a wave comes over the charred remains of the the pilot come out on top and it's pretty it's pretty well done like there's this nice little there's this good little build of suspense there are some good suspense filled moments within this movie i will say that it's it's a passable movie, like, yeah, it's not overly as rememberable as the original. And the characters are, a lot of the characters are a lot, uh, not very well fleshed out, but it's still, like, it's, it's a decent, it's a decent movie. I'm going to say this right off the bat. It is a decent movie. Actually, I'm not right off the bat because I'm about halfway through already. So they take it to the funeral home. This is where Brody's suspicions about the shark are really sort of starting to come to the surface. And he actually goes to the mayor and says, you know what, I think um, after taking the body to the funeral home, he runs into the mayor and says, you know, I think we've, um, I think we've got another shark problem. 
and the mayor initially sort of tries to brush it off. It's like, nah, it, it can't be, it's, it's not. But there's an element of doubt around the mayor as well. It's like thinking, well, you know, maybe, maybe they, you know, it could be. Well, you have a lot of deaths in these waters. Are they all shark victims? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but it's like, has everyone sort of like forgotten that, you know, Four years prior, we had this, you know, they had, you know, this massive shark problem. Why is it sort of being, you know, it's like, nah, sort of, what do you mean shark? Like, it's almost like it's been erased from the town's, from, you know, people's minds. Like, did the men in black secretly come down with a, with a friggin' denuralizer and go, Splunk, you didn't see anything, blue? Um with the exception of Martin, and to an extent, the mayor. Everybody else is, everyone else in the movie is just like, no, pretty much is like, no, no, you're talking out your butt. Again, we'll get to that. So, Brody goes back to his office. He's got some, gets some hollow points that he fills with sodium cyanide and, you know, seals them up with wax. Yeah. Just in case, and the camera sort of comes back into play when he's starting to get a little bit bug, bug, bugged by Hendrix a little bit. And you ask him about, you know, well, what about the camera? There might be something on it. So he gets Hendrix to take the camera down to Fogarty's to, you know, have it looked at. Um, it's like he goes home, he's just missed a call from Matt Hooper who you know we all remember Richard Dreyfuss from the from the first movie who said no I'm not coming back to do this one Roy Scheider said yes and then he said no to the other two he felt it was like he didn't need to do them and so we didn't do the other two and so we go to the beach the next day little uh, i shouldn't say little mike brody because you know he's all of a sudden he's 17 and is a little bit pissy for the fact that his dad got him a job when all he wants to do is just bum around in summer and just sail and have fun and all that so we go we're at the beach the next day brody is up in his shark tower like just cautiously sort of well you know just want to make sure kind of thing yeah fine no problem we have the mayor we have len we have alan this whole group of um tourists from the from the condo like oh have a look at wonderful how you know what this sand is like here at the beach and you know the beautiful scenery and vaughn sees brody riding up in his tower after Mike points it out to him, he's just going, oh shit, you know, please, not again, not again, this, this isn't happening, so they're trying to do whatever they can to sort of sweep it under the rug, it's like, well, you know, hopefully no one's going to notice, and of course one kid does notice, and it's like, and the mother's asking, well, what the, what's he doing up there, what's that guy doing up there, it's like, they make up some thing, like it's an observation platform, it's like, no, it's a shit, the kid's just like, no, it's a shark tower, it's like, no, no, it gets used for bird watching and weather patterns and stuff like that and 
Brody then just sort of sees this shadow sort of going towards, you know, a group of swimmers. Now already he's thinking, holy crap, it's it's a shark, it's, it, it's coming. Um, he gets everyone out of the water and runs down to the beach and starts shooting at what ends up being a school of bluefish. So sometimes like, you know, mistaken identity, you see a shadow and like, you know, if there's glare on that, you can't quite make out, but you're worried, you're concerned about the safety of everyone in the water. You're thinking, oh my God, you know, we've got another shark around as well. So he's just trying to do what he can. So later on, he's sitting in his office and he gets a phone call from the photo lab. Like, hey, you know, I've got some photos here that have been developed from the diving camera. You know, you want to come and have a look. So Brody goes down, you know, he's like, yeah, that's the pictures of the orca. They get another one that's just starting to develop and it's an out, it's the outline of a shark. Like you can see it clear as day. So Brody takes it to the town meeting where he shows the picture to everybody that's there and instant, they instantly dismissing it. Like, oh, it's not a shark. It's you know, seaweed or, you know, there's something on the lens and like Brody's PO'd at this point. He's really peeved and he's like, come on, I'm telling you, that's a shark. I know what a shark looks like. I've seen one up close and ends up getting fired because of, you know, his stance and his convictions, which, you know, turn out to be true. Now, there is a deleted scene, if you have the DVD or Blu-ray, there is a deleted scene where when they go into the mayor's chambers to vote, to like, they all vote to, you know, whether or not to fire Chief Brody or keep him. Now, there's six of them. Five of them say, yes, no, he's, yes, he's got to go. Like, and the only person that stands up for Brody is is the mayor because he's had a look and he, he's realized that, oh, oh no, he might be right. This may be another shark. Like that, that picture is what sort of convinced him that maybe he's right. But unfortunately, you know, majority rules, money talks and everything else. So Brody is fired. Hendrix is named as the new chief. We have an interesting sequence. Very interesting. So Mike sneaks out of the house because he wants to go sailing with his friends. He, Sean blackmails him into going along with him. And so they all sail off. They go towards the lighthouse. And, you know, we can go past a diving school who, you know, they're diving for lobster, crayfish, whatever you want to call them. Everything's fine until one gets, you know, attacked by a shark, which now has this massive scarf on the long, alongside its face. If you remember the, uh, the speedboat scene. And naturally so, he just freaks the hell out. Panically swims up to the surface, you know, ends up with the bends, which is like air bubbles in your blood when you, you know, come up to the surface too fast. And 
uh, Brody sort of learns like you know there's a that all the that the kids you know they've gone this you know, spooked the hell out of this guy and he's now he's once again he's truly convinced that like holy crap there's a shark and especially when he finds out his son's gone out with them he Alan and Hendrix they take the police boat out to where the kids are or where they're going as far as he knows the kids are sailing along and you know we have Eddie and Tina who are just kind of boring bland blah uh, it's like yeah we'll catch up we'll catch up and they have this little moment and then the shark attacks the boat Eddie gets knocked out of the water and the boat gets you know dragged away uh, probably 100 yards or so and Tina's saying, you know, come on, swim, it's fine. Then she sees a shark and it's like, oh my God, Eddie, swim, swim. Like, she's in full-on panic mode now. It's like, oh my God, like, you know, for your, for your own safety, come on, swim, swim, swim. And, um, well, it doesn't end well for Eddie because he gets taken by the shark. He gets dragged towards the boat, similar to the Chrissy Watkins scene in the first Jaws movie where she gets dragged towards the, the buoy. You know, tries to cling onto it for dear life. He's trying to climb into the boat after there's this sickening thud, just like pretty much going face first into the hole. And, you know, he's dragged under. Now, here's an interesting thing. Uh, a lot of the other people that get taken by the shark, are they bloodless? Or something, because when you see the divers get attacked. There's no blood in the water. When you see the skier get attacked, there's no blood in the water. Afterwards, this is the only attack where there is blood in the water. Now, is this, this maybe because of the the rating that they had for it. it was a PG-13 rating, just like the original Jaws movie, but were there people behind the scenes saying, no, not too much blood, you can't have too much blood. It's, uh, it's, you think, like, you get cut or bitten and you're in the water. What's going to happen? You're going to, there's going to be blood in the water. It's another, you know, oh, we can only have, you know, so much blood shown on screen, just like in the first movie. It's like, oh, you can only say the word bitch so many times. So they have to, the whole smile, you son of a bitch is like put under a gunshot. So you can't quite hear it unless you listen very, very close. But um, bro, the Brodies and Hendrix, they find Tina's boat. She's in a massive state of shock. Like, who wouldn't be? Oh, it's still in there. It's like, what's that? It's a shark! And so, Brody calls in another boat. They get taken back to Amity while Brody is still on the hunt for these kids heading towards um, where he thinks the lighthouse for a start anyway. Uh, he manages to radio for Harbour Patrol, who's going to send the chopper out for support. The chopper finds the kids. After... As They've, you know, they've had a bit of a run-in with the shark already. Brody manages to be dragged to safety 
again, again, this is a good um, build-up of, of tension. Mike Brody has dragged the safety because he's been knocked out and whatever during the attack. And it's like trying to get him in, but they keep slipping. And finally, just as the shark pops up to bite, they manage to get him in the boat. It's a good, good use of tension. And... You know, a quick, you know, take him back, take him back to the hospital, you know, something's wrong. Here, yeah, this is like, sort of when things start to dawn on it, like, holy crap, yeah, we've got a big problem here. So the chopper lands, throws him a rope, and this is where it gets a little bit, uh, I don't want to say ridiculous, because I've seen reviews where people are going, and the shark eats the helicopter, the shark doesn't eat the helicopter. The shark chomps down on the inflatable um, lander and submerges the helicopter. It doesn't eat the helicopter. And presumably, he manages to somehow eat the pilot. Again, a bloodless pilot. So, of course, you know, bits of proper flying everywhere. People are getting knocked out of the water. And knocked out of the water, knocked into the water. And... Yeah, everyone's scrambling for safety. Sean manages to get to the top of an upturned boat. The chick that he's um, that he's been sailing with, I had to look up the character's name was Marge because it never gets up, never gets said throughout the whole friggin' movie. She's just pretty much a nameless chick until you sort of do some research. She's like struggling but can't get up and she gets, you know, she's eaten right in front of Sean, so he's freaking the hell out as anybody would so and so is one other person i think it's jackie she's the only other person that's freaking out that's like oh my god we've just seen this person get eaten everyone else is bickering and arguing and not really giving too much and ah oh, it's frustrating it gets frustrating because you would think hang on you've just seen somebody get eaten right in front of your eyes and you're patting it off like it's next to nothing. Like, wouldn't you be freaking the hell out? Come on, seriously. Anyway, of course, Sean's in shock. And we've got Andy, who's just screaming his head off. Like, you you know, wake up, pull yourself together and grab that rover. I'm going to you know, beat the tar at him. I'm just thinking the whole time. Dude, seriously, this kid's in absolute shock. He's just witnessed somebody get murdered by a freaking shark right in front of his eyes and you're just expecting him to snap out of it just like that? What the hell is wrong with you? <sighs> this movie has problems. It does. So, of course, like, Alan Brody and Hendrix, have, they've made it back to the island. They've, you know, he's an asshole. Asshole lens there, and like she's looks going, oh, you know, this is the town's best interest, and she's turned around and said, screw your town's best interest. Like, there's one kid dead. You know, other people are under attack. We, you know, my husband did try to tell you that, you know, there's a shark, and you've just sort of brushed it off, and there's a little bit of remorse of like, well, why didn't I listen? But pff, that doesn't really pan off because you don't see that character on screen again. Same with the mayor after he stands up for, um, stands up for Martin at the town meeting. So Brody finds, you know, two of the kids and Michael that are, and Mike that are sailing back towards Amity. He learns that Sean's with the rest of the kids. 
and he's pissed. Like, you, you took your brother out there? Like, why? He's like, oh, but I didn't know. It's like, yeah, you may not have known, but still, you've put your younger, unwittingly put your younger brother in danger. So, um, Martin ends up finding them. And just as he's trying to tow them towards Junction Island, which is like this big power, which is like a power station sort of thing. Uh, the shark attacks again. Brody crashes the boat into the island. A uh, bunch of kids get knocked into the water. They manage to swim to safety. And this is when Brody's winches sort of brought up this massive power cable. And remembering to what Dr. Atkins said to him earlier, where, you know, sharks can sense vibrations and sounds, Brody's got this idea like, hmm, I can put an end to this. And this is the best part of the whole movie. This is the best part of the whole movie. Once again, Martin Brody goes one-on-one -on -one with a massive great white shark. So after getting into his inflatable dinghy that he's put into the water, he's guiding himself along the power cable to its lowest point where it's almost in the water and he starts belting the crap out of it with an oar just to try to get you know the shark to sense the vibrations and everything that's in the water he does it for a little bit but then it sort of swims away so he does it again and this time the sharks just come just come straight for him we've got the kids screaming you know get out of the way it's coming for you he's like come on come on Come at me, come on, I've got something for you to chomp down on. And, oh, you know, the shark's coming just as it lunges. You hear Martin Bowie say, open wide, say ah, throws the power cable into the shark's mouth. The shark bites down and is electrocuted. We see sparks and flames and smoke coming out of its eyes. Like, that's the best part of the whole movie. The whole, the rest of the movie is sort of mediocre, but that ending really, really makes up for it. It's a good, solid ending. As I said, a lot of the characters are forgettable. Uh, you can't, you don't really relate to them because you just, they're, a lot of them you just hope and end up just being shark fodder because you don't really care for them. Not as well written as the first Jaws because again, Especially with the mayor, like, has the power of money just sort of somehow erased from his mind that four years previous they had been attacked, the whole t town had been attacked by a giant shark, and all this sort of stuff happened? It's like, why is it the chief's sort of the only one that really remembers? Like, are all these other characters that are on in the town cancel? Like, were they not there the first? They mustn't have been there the first time around. They must have come since. And had not been told, like, you know, there's this giant shark problem we had, you know, years back. But, um, yeah, look, it's still a watchable movie. Yes, it had a lot to live up to. Like, as I said, compared to the first Jaws, it's just, that was phenomenal. This was okay. It, like, it's watchable, don't get me wrong. But unlike the first movie, it's, it's forgettable. It is really, really forgettable. As I said, I only just watched, finished watching it before I started this movie and I've forgotten half of what happened. 
and yeah, then we have Jaws 3, or Jaws 3D, which for some reason when it was released on Blu-ray never came with 3D glasses. Or when it was released on VHS back in 83, it didn't come with VHS with 3D glasses. It was just a thing that was going on at the time, like all your third movies of franchises were in 3D. Like your Friday the 13th Part 3, Amityville 3, Jaws 3, they were all done in 3D. It's cheap gimmick, didn't quite work. But I will go into more on that next time around. And so there we go. Jaws 2. Yep, once again, not a spectacular movie. It's easily enjoyable. And that final sequence between Brody and the shark is just absolutely incredible that that whole part alone makes up for the uh, just how draggy this movie is at times as I said at the, in the intro a lot the teenage characters are very forgettable you don't really care for them um, it didn't make sense like the one chick that had saved Sean Marge her name was I had to actually look that up because you don't they don't say it during the movie at all gets eaten by the shark and you know no one hardly reacts they just yeah whatever woo okay let's um right let's let's bully this kid to get him to you know wake up this kid just saw someone get eaten by a freaking shark i mean show some empathy yeah the ki the kid's very two-dimensional you don't care for him but anyway, they were my thoughts on Jaws 2. Anyway, next time in the vault, we are going to be having a look at Jaws 3, otherwise also known as Jaws 3D, which never came with any glasses if you bought the DVD or the VHS back in the day. Kind of weird, but that was the sort of gimmick at the time. Anyway, thank you so much. Please come once again into the video vault. I will see you all next time around. This has been a presentation of GLH Productions.